Welcome to the One Bite Vegan Food for Thought Summit, a series of 15 podcasts that present different aspects of a vegan lifestyle from some of the most prominent thought leaders in veganism. Perhaps you want to learn how to be a better advocate for animals. Maybe you want to feel confident about raising your family on a plant-based diet. Proudly sponsored by VegFund, the One Bite Vegan Food for Thought Summit's for you. Hello and welcome to the One Bite Vegan Food for Thought Summit. I'm your host, Emma Leticia, and in this episode, we're talking with the founder of Vegan Mainstream, Stephanie Red Cross West. Stephanie started Vegan Mainstream based on a simple idea. To build a pro-vegan world, we need a solid infrastructure of successful businesses and brands to ensure that an ethical lifestyle is accessible to everyone, everywhere. With this in mind, Stephanie started developing tools, training, and support for vegan professionals running vegan businesses all over the world. With more than 15 years of marketing experience with small businesses and Fortune 500 companies, she was well-equipped to do this. And we're going to chat to Stephanie now about setting up, running, and successfully marketing a vegan business. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So just to start off, can you tell us a little bit about your vegan journey and how that led you to start Vegan Mainstream? Absolutely. I think my vegan journey is probably similar to others where my journey started with really kind of the health aspects of going vegan. And initially I went vegetarian, like many people, where I just started you know, cutting out certain items from my plate. And a lot of that has to do with, um, I got sick when I was in college. I got E. coli and we didn't know where we got it from, but it was a very sobering call. And I got a call from someone from like the CDC asking me where I ate, where I had been, <laughs> where well, I was that's, traveling. That's pretty hardcore. <laughs> it was. I, like you hear about these things, but when it happens to you, you're like, what? How did you get my number? <laughs> so that was really kind of a big wake up call for me to A, figure out what I'd been eating and where I'd been eating, but it also made me start to think about what I was putting in my body, the impact of it, and also what's happening to a lot of the items in our food system or food supply system. So as I started going through that path, I said, you know what, I want to be healthier, I want to really start to empower myself. So I started down that vegetarian journey, but I was fortunate enough to start going to hangouts and meetups and, you know, all these events that started popping up years ago where people started getting together fellow vegans and vegetarians. And I started to hang out with this wonderful woman and she started to open my eyes. She started to help me understand the difference between being a vegetarian and a vegan and also helped me understand that there's much, much more than just the health side of it. Just there's so much more I could do and such an impact that I am making on the choices I'm making, I'm doing as far as what I'm eating that goes way beyond just my own personal health. And she started to really help me understand the animal rights movement, understand the impact of me even saying I'm a vegetarian, how I'm still impacting animals and hurting animals. And I started to see videos that I hadn't seen before. I started to understand um, what unfortunately happens to many animals. And that opening of my eyes helped me understand that it wasn't just a choice to kind of be healthier. It was a stand I wanted to make as far as how we treat animals, how we treat our environment, and the fact that I could make choices and also 
make choices in my family that saved animals. And that was so impactful for me and so big for me. And then from there, it started to kind of creep into my whole world. You know, I started with the idea of like, okay, this is how I eat. And I don't know if this happened to you. Um, I'm not, how long have you been vegan? It's about six years now, I think. Okay. I asked that because I don't know if you went through this process as well. Is like when you know you first go vegan, you're all about the food. When you start to understand the impact on animals, you start to say, okay, this is why I'm staying vegan. Mm-hmm. But then, because I went vegan back in 2005, that the question came up about what about all the other stuff? What about the shampoos? What about the lotion? Like all of my world started to change. I started to understand why this was much more of a lifestyle choice than just a food choice. And when I started to understand the lifestyle impact, I started to understand, especially with my kind of like business hat, entrepreneurial family that I grew up in, I started to realize that for veganism to move forward, for really to get an amazing adaptation across the country, across the world, we needed businesses to help fuel that growth. We needed companies, we needed individuals to step up and offer the products, the services, the things that not only give us an option that doesn't hurt animals, isn't hurting our environment, but also what it does is it starts to create a new ecosystem that's a much more conscious and compassionate ecosystem out there. I think a lot of people can relate to your story because it sounds so similar, you know, they're starting out with vegetarianism and then veganism kind of touching on so many aspects of your life that it becomes kind of something beyond veganism. So it makes sense that you would put the two together and want to do something with your talents and skills in the business arena. So what kind of services do you provide now for business owners? And why do you think it's useful for that to be vegan centric? I think a lot of what we do and why we do it is because to move this movement forward, we need to support each other. We should be a community that is there for each other. And I really strongly believe that we all have so many skills. We have so many things to bring to the table that sometimes we forget. And that's kind of what was the genesis of me even starting my business was the idea that we all have things that we do great. We're an accountant, we're a web designer, we're a landscaper, we're doing all these things and all of this impacts the movement. So because they all impact the movement, the idea is that businesses need support systems that are in place that echo their ethics that echo their goals, that echo the things that are important to them. So that when I suggest a marketing technique, I'm going to suggest a marketing technique that's going to be in line with often the goals that people have for their business. And for some businesses out there, their goals are maybe just the bottom line. They're just looking at those numbers. But what I find for many of us as vegans, many of us who either are running businesses, plan to run businesses, support vegan businesses, or work at vegan businesses, we're doing it for a much bigger cause. We are doing it to have a much greater impact. So therefore, how we act in the marketplace, how we interact with our customers, how we perform our marketing, how we structure our business, how we hire people and treat our employees or freelancers. To me, all of that needs that vegan, compassionate 
community and needs a little bit of that love in it. And that's why I think it's important to have organizations like myself and others out there support these businesses so that you have like minds coming together. Now, obviously, industry expertise helps as well, but also a person coming from that perspective and understanding that perspective, I really do think makes a difference. So let's talk a little bit now about kind of the nitty gritty of vegan business and marketing. What are some of the most common challenges that clients face setting up their business or attempting to market it? The number one thing I find that people struggle with in their business is getting things done. The problem these days with marketing is, you know, when I first started out as a marketer, there was only a few channels that were available to kind of small businesses. It was kind of like the corporations ran this and this and this, and small businesses kind of lived in their own world, where with all these tools between social media, with all of us able to do our own video marketing, to live stream and do all of this, what comes with that great access is the overwhelm of what do I do first? What should I try to do? Or should I do this? Or I saw so-and-so did this. And what can happen is business owners can feel like I have to do everything. I have to be everywhere. I have to produce at this crazy level that they either feel so overwhelmed that they don't move forward Or what happens is they're not sure what to do first, second, and third. So they do a little bit of everything. So therefore, if you have five projects on the table, a person's been working on those five projects over five weeks, and each project is only 20%, 30%, 60% complete. And while they're making progress, the problem is if you don't get a project to like 100% often, you can't really get the benefits of all that hard work. So getting stuck in that limbo, getting stuck on what should I do or getting stuck and feeling overwhelmed, what happens is these great businesses, great ideas sometimes either don't come to fruition or these businesses become stagnant and they don't service the community like that person thought they could. They aren't able to get out in the world and support the communities or an amazing product just really doesn't soar because the technical, the planning, the intimidation of doing a live video or an interview like this stops people from doing what they love. It's quite funny, isn't it? Because when I was doing marketing and PR back at university, this is going to make me sound really old, there was no such thing as social media. And things are changing so fast on the technological front. Yes. It's really helpful to have somebody to work with like, as your, like yourself and others that are supporting vegan businesses in the marketing and business development areas who it's their job to have the finger on the pulse with all of those sorts of things and work out what the priorities are in terms of utilizing those technologies. So yeah, it's fantastic to have someone like yourself. Thank um, you. What do you see as some of the biggest trends in the vegan space that business owners can take advantage of when it comes to marketing their business? I think the biggest thing that has tilted, especially this year with The Economist saying this is going to be the year of the vegan, with vegan businesses in the spotlight like Beyond Meat and what they've been doing, you know, kind of in like other people's court, meaning an IPO with them working with these partnerships and some of these organizations getting 
opportunities into fast food chains and so forth, is that what's happening is our world is changing as far as the perception of veganism. The idea that we are not a kind of exclusive group over here and the rest of the world is over there. Or the people that are vegans are the exception to the rule, exception to the norm. I think what we're seeing that tilt is that veganism feels within reach to everyone. It feels more common. It doesn't feel like a word where people have to put their guard up. And because of that, it is allowing not just businesses, but activists, organizations to really have more conversations with people. To really help people understand not only what it means to be vegan, but how it impacts the choices that they make. It's allowing us to get greater headlines in magazines that maybe weren't covering veganism as a topic before. And then what's happening is because we have all these platforms and that these platforms offer more and more features to them, what's really happening from, I would probably say, a trendy standpoint is that there is more dialogue, there's more fun around the discussion, there is more opportunity for multiple personalities to come out and express their veganism and for people to kind of see it as their own. And that translates into like fun Instagram stories, that translates into people doing live videos and live streaming. This comes into people going to eats and jumping on their phones and sharing it with a person who's like, this is my first time at a veg fest, or this is my first time trying a vegan burger, or this is my favorite restaurant. You know, I never thought I'd call myself vegan, but this is my favorite restaurant and I come here every week. And being able to mirror marketing with the trends of people moving towards feeling comfortable being in the vegan space, feeling comfortable and knowing that it's within reach for everyone, to me makes it, I mean, just awesome from a vegan standpoint and just the opportunity to spread veganism. But from a business standpoint, it opens up channels and avenues that people were feeling like they were fighting before to get their voice heard. Exactly. And I don't know, do you feel the same way? What do you, how do you feel? What do you think? Yeah, I definitely, like even in the time that I've been vegan, it's changed so dramatically just in terms of the amount of information available because I had a similar vegan story to you that everyone in my family had cancer and I was thinking why this isn't normal why is this happening and I started looking at food and going down that rabbit hole and I really felt like I had to dig a lot to get to the crux of the issue and to find out all the information I needed to about veganism but now Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so much more information available there's so many great resources that people are putting out. There's so many innovative companies and even the narrative in the media is changing. It's not so, it's not always positive. You're always going to get the vegan parents starve their kid to death stories, Mm -hmm. but it seems to be becoming a bit more acceptable and mainstream. So that's, that's fantastic news for all of us. Yes. Absolutely. Because getting the headlines, and like you said, I mean, it's sometimes the headline's good and then you read the story and you're like, "Mm, that was interesting. (laughs) Like that wasn't a raving review. (laughs) But the fact that people are reading these stories, people are interested in this information, that some people are 
willing to have this discussion about veganism, about plant-based, about whole foods, plant-based, and that there is more dialogue about it. And it's not just a, nobody cares. It's just a fringe thing. I think we've tipped the point of veganism just being kind of trendy. It's starting to become a way of life that people feel like they can choose. And even with things like the movie coming out, Game Changer, we're starting to see more and more content come out where veganism is not just one type of people. It's not just, oh, it's what college kids do. You know, it's not just, well, people are doing it because they're, people are struggling with health issues. They're doing it that way. So it's really a health thing. And I'm going to wait. I don't have a health issue, so it doesn't apply to me. I think what's happening is there's starting to be more and more stories of people who are choosing it and they're in different walks of life. Mm -hmm. They're in different stages of their lives. And therefore, having someone in a representative and having representatives in all these different groups and categories, even for myself, even in the vegan movement, and not to say there's not more work to be done, but there's a documentary that came out called The Invisible Vegan. And I really appreciate it because as an African-American, sometimes I felt not seen even in the vegan community. And as we see more and more of all cultures, all individuals being represented in films and movies and documentaries and blogs and businesses and so forth, I think it really changes the dynamics of the movement. Yeah, exactly. And something that you said, it kind of reminded me a bit of, um, I interviewed vegan psychologist Claire Mann about the anti-vegan narrative in the media. And she kind of put it across as no publicity is bad publicity. If they're talking about us, we're doing something right. So I always kind of just (laughs) think about that when I'm thinking, those vegan parents, it's not because of the diet, they're neglectful. It kind of yes. makes your blood boil a little bit, but then no publicity is bad publicity, according to Claire. So that's a good sign for us. Yeah, I definitely think it's a good sign to be in the room, even though, yeah, because I used to struggle with that. Like I'd watch a TV show and then they'd create a vegan character and I'd be like, oh yes, they got a vegan character. But the vegan character would be so flawed mm-hmm. and sometimes too extreme that I'm like, what are they doing? Like, they're making their own shoes. Like, what? <laughs> like, that's not even realistic. Like, you weren't so, sitting there, Stephanie, and thinking, oh, I'm not vegan enough. I don't make my own shoes. <laughs> somebody's going okay. to come and take my vegan badge off me. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. It could go either way. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's talk a bit about your website and some of the great resources that you provide for people. There's some great videos on there, which I really love because you you speak so well and you break things down in ways that are really easy to understand. One of the videos in particular that I liked was where you were talking about the myths that might hold someone back in being successful with their business venture. So I guess that's talking about a bit about getting your mind in the right place and the psychology of starting a business. Can you tell us what some of these myths are that you've discovered through working with clients over the years? Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things is the money myth. A lot of people feel like if I'm running a vegan business, how can I charge money for it? And how could I charge a premium for it? A lot of people have a very difficult time, especially when someone's like a lifestyle coach or they're doing something where they really feel like I'm helping people. And that was their driving force for why they started their business, that they feel like shouldn't it be accessible to everyone? And yes, 
it would be great to have it accessible to everyone. But what I want people to kind of understand and make the connection is the fact that, number one, we all need a living wage. We all have to pay light bills and rent and cars and gas and diapers and, you know, all those things that kind of come with living kind of on this earth and in in this realm and, and, and in this world. So therefore, what I want people to do is instead of looking at it as a struggle between why should I charge people? How could I charge people? Is think of it more of the good that you're doing, meaning by you establishing a business, A, you're bringing income into our community. You're creating an opportunity to hire people. So you're creating jobs. You're creating a place where you're generating income that you can use to donate to your local farm sanctuary so that you can support a movement or an activity. And also it allows you as a vegan to kind of be free instead of working a nine to five job or a traditional job that just pays the bills. What I want people to understand is that running a business or working in a business, because I know it's not everyone's dream to be an entrepreneur out there, But working in these spaces, working in vegan businesses, what it does is it frees you to be you. It frees you and puts you in a more creative space that's aligned with your passion, your ethics, what you want to do. And being able to ride that momentum, being able to leverage that feeling is a great thing. So therefore, I really want to make sure that people don't let the money hold them back. Don't worry about that because if you make enough money, you can donate it all if you want. If you make enough money, you can always offer scholarship programs. If you make enough money, you can do other things with it. So I don't want people to think the money is the root of the evil in a sense (laughs) or that the money is the holdback. It's really an enabling tool for you to spread veganism. And I think making that mindset shift is so important when we think about myths and things that hold people back from running their businesses. It can even be about what can be a vegan business. A lot of people think food or they think it has to be kind of related to the traditional path of veganism. But as you start to study our infrastructure, as you start to figure out what products are in certain shoes or in bags, in a lot of the things that we consume and use, even me trying to find vegan fertilizer. It's like the most difficult thing (laughs) in the world. And I, you know, like I'm not a gardener per se. I just like to grow a few things. But being able to have those options is so big for people. And the fact that a vegan business is really, I guess in my mind, defined by the individual. It's defined by the ethics of the person that's bringing to that business. So I want people to think of their opportunities as far as the type of business that it can be in all industries. It can be leveraging the skills that you have. You can be a vegan accountant and that's an amazing thing because being able to help people and advise people on how to do their bookkeeping, how do they do their investments, If you're thinking about teaching people how to save money in their business as an accountant or how they can optimize their financials, all of that helps the movement. And I think sometimes people 
don't realize that you have so many opportunities in front of you if you want to go on this journey and start a vegan business. And the other thing too on that is that other vegan businesses, you know, you say you can be a vegan accountant. And I guess it's the same with being a vegan marketing company as well. Vegan businesses would love to give their business Mm -hmm. to another vegan business. Um, Absolutely. So the world is your vegan oyster. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what, I guess Colin Patrick Goudreau would be the good one to talk to about what we could say instead of the world is your oyster. She's the wordsmith in that area. Absolutely. Um, She's really great at that. I agree. (laughs) You also talk about vegan business owners knowing their why. So can you explain to us what you mean by this and why it's so important? I think it's so important to know why you are running your business. What is What do you really want to achieve with your business? Because that does allow us to go deeper and past those, past just the numbers or the financials. It allows you to really start to think about the impact that you want your business to make. Because when you start to see your business as something that can impact your community, that can impact the world, or that can impact a group of individuals Not only do you start to see your business as something powerful and something, and I don't mean powerful from a negative standpoint, I mean powerful from the standpoint that you can be an enabler and you can move things. You have this kind of ability to change and change on a larger scale often when you have a business. But the key here is you have to know what that is. What is the thing that's driving you? Why do you wake up every day? Because the reality is running a vegan business can be hard. It can be tough. I mean, I want to pull my hair out sometimes. It doesn't mean that I don't want to make it so rosy and make it sound like it's not hard, but this hard work has purpose and this hard work has an impact. And I believe the hard work is so worth it. So it's important that you know what that is to A, help you when you have some of those difficult weeks, days, or months. I think it's important so you know who you want to partner with, what kind of organizations you want to work with, because as vegan businesses diversify, just being vegan won't be enough. You may want somebody who's more sustainable based as far as their products. You may want someone who's more of a visionary You may want someone that you want to partner with or types of organizations that you partner with that are all about community versus being an authority. All of these are different aspects and we need all those different aspects because that makes up our world and the people in the world. But for when you know why you do what you do, you will have a better chance of your business being successful. You will have a better chance of when the road gets bumpy, being able to dust yourself off and get back up. And from your customer's point of view, they can tap into that why. They can start to understand that why they buy from you, why they want to support you, why they will tell the world about your product is because they understand why you're doing what you're doing, the impact you want to have, and people can connect with a why much stronger than just a product or service. They can connect with you as an individual, your employees. Everyone now starts to be on the same page. And to me, that's what can make an organization really just soar. 
And that's, um, you've talked about the business journey as well and about making sure that you what you're offering is valuable to people. And I guess having a really strong and clear idea on what your why is um, <laughs> would ensure that uh, your offering is valuable. Are there any other milestones on the business journey that you talk about with your clients? Yeah, I think it's also making sure you're drilling down on that why too. So it's not just, I want to help people, but you want to know why and what way are you really going to be helping people? What is your signature approach? What is that skill? What is those things that you tap into? And a lot of times I tell people to make sure they write it down because we tend to have like ideas in our head. Our memories are not as great as we all think they are. So it's good sometimes to know what that is and put it on paper so that you can explain it when you hire someone else to bring into your business. You can explain it when you're looking for new customers or clients. Or if you have a home office, you might want to put it on the wall or put it on your desk as something that's an kind of inspirational tool for you. The other thing is, as far as the journey, as far as putting a great product and service out there, is I think a lot of people forget how important it is to prove the concept of your product, to truly get out there and sell it. Because a lot of people will give it away or they'll do all these free promotions. And the idea is for you to have a viable business, people have to buy it. People have to buy it in the environment that you sell it in. So I think it's so important that people do proof of concept approaches. So if you have some vegan hummus because you have a new flavor and style, go to a farmer's market and actually sell it. Feel what it's like to get someone to say, I want this. I want to buy it. I want to come back and buy it next week. I don't think you have to do farmer's markets for like forever because they're a lot of work. (laughs) But the idea that getting out there in the world, if you want to be a coach, put together a package put together a program and actually sell that eight-week program and go through the process. And then after the process, get on the phone with the customer and get their feedback. Ask them what they'd like to improve, what they expected the program to be like and what happened. Because sometimes it's a little hard. Like you get that anxiety in you and you're like, I don't know if they liked it. I hope they liked it. Or you get that doubt where you worry that you fell short and you're too afraid to ask because you're not maybe ready (laughs) to get any feedback that's not like, you know, not a parent's love or sibling's love or a spouse's love. You can't take the construction. Yeah, you got to ask somebody other than your immediate family. (laughs) Absolutely. And that I really hope that a lot of people will take that journey to actually get out there to put the product out, to get feedback, to see what that process is like. Ask people what they thought of your marketing, what they liked about it, what they'd like to be different, and doing focus groups. And when I say focus groups, I don't mean the fancy ones. I mean getting five people on a call or just asking a customer if they'll get on a call and they'll talk to you for 20 minutes about their experience. I think those things are so important in the early stages of your business or when you're trying to expand your business. Because it's so easy to get so far away from the customer these days. It's so easy with us doing our social media updates from our desk, with us just sitting at our computer, going through email, 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 that 
you can sit in your office all day and never talk to a customer in some businesses or do a lot of your marketing from home that you're not going to conferences, you're not going to events, you're not really connecting with people. And as a business owner, you need a product, you need a service, but you have to connect with your customers. You have to get that feedback loop and you definitely want to make sure that your product or service before you scale it, when it's small, when it's nimble, that you know it's viable, people want it, and they're willing to pay for it. I guess for a lot of um, businesses uh, or somebody that has a great idea for a product or somebody that's written a, a book about some aspect of veganism, marketing can often be like an afterthought or it's a scary thing to kind of think about when you've never done it before or it might be you're just too busy running your business what key things would you advise a client that an effective marketing strategy should have i think there's two different ways to approach it the number one i think an effective marketing strategy has is an actual plan and i say that and i hope it doesn't come across like snarky (laughs) what i mean by that is for a lot of people they know they do facebook or instagram or they No, they send out emails or write blog posts, but they really don't have a plan written down on paper that says, these are the tools that I'm using. This is the goal or the expectations I have for this tool. And this is how I measure the success of that tool. Because without that in place, it's hard to know what's working. It's hard to know what should be prioritized. Because to your point about being too busy, that sometimes the marketing is hard because it's like, I can't update to seven social media sites. I don't have time. But if you have a list of these are all the sites that you could be using, these are all the channels that you can use, but we're going to focus on these top two. We're going to focus on these top three. Or maybe your focus is a top six because you have a little bit more bandwidth. But by being able to kind of have a plan, prioritize it, You can now start to say, if I run out of time, this is what I'm going to work on, definitely. And if you have a plan that's laid out with what your goals are, if things aren't working as ideal, you may say, hey, this channel, I'm going to put it in a holding pattern for right now. Because what I want to do is I found something that worked in this other channel and I want to see if I can optimize it. Or you may strategically say, this channel is not working as well, so I want to spend more time on it. Before I add another channel or do anything more, I'm going to put some extra focus in here. And then in your business, what you're doing is making strategic decisions on how and what you want to do with your marketing, as opposed to a reactionary marketing and saying, oh, I haven't done a Facebook Live in a while. Oh, I need to post on here. Oh, I'm going to this event. I should have done this or that. I think getting out of that reactionary mode with your marketing will really make a difference. And I think it will help a lot of people in really getting the impact in their marketing going. The other thing is, especially for anyone who's new or anyone who's trying to figure it out, like sometimes when I say like put together a plan, they're like, oh goodness, Stephanie, what do you want me to put down? And like, what do you mean? And what should it look like? That a lot of times I tell people, if the plan is too much, say you're not a person like me, that's like, I want to look at my whole calendar and year and I know which webinars I'm doing on which day. And like, cause I can tell you what newsletter, what the date of my newsletter is going to be in December. I can tell you what my date of my newsletter is going to be in February. Like I plan that stuff 12 months in advance, but I'm a nerd. I'm that kind of person. I like 
that kind of detail. And not everyone likes that. And that's okay. I'm not asking everyone to be me in a sense. But what I think helps for people is if you're not that long-term visionary or you just don't have the experience with it, what I tell a lot of people to do is create what I call blitz campaigns. So instead of trying to build a crystal ball for your business and marketing, what I want you to build is build a 60-day plan. Say for the next two months, this is what I'm going to do for my marketing. And for those two months, pick a few things. Don't go deep into one channel. I don't want you to write 20 blog posts. I don't want you to send out a newsletter every single week if you've only been sending out a newsletter every like four months. (laughs) You know, I want you to pick something balanced and say, okay, in 60 days, I'm going to work on two social media channels. I'm going to make sure my newsletter goes out three times. I'm going to make sure I secure a speaking engagement, even though I may not be speaking within that 60 days, but I'm going to make sure I get that exposure, whether it's more somewhere else. You may say, I'm going to do some video marketing. I'm going to do some live streaming within those days. And I'm going to live stream for four days to drive some momentum and activity. Or you may say, I'm going to book a local event and I'm going to go to that local event in 60 days. And what I'm going to do is do a cooking demo. And then from the cooking demo, I'm going to ask people to get on my email list because I'm going to give them some recipes. Then I'm going to tell them about my products and services or my cooking classes that are coming up. And what happens is instead of you just doing some channel stuff, you have a tight focus of 30 to 60 days to work on it. And then you're building it like a campaign so that at the end, you can say, by me live streaming for five days straight, I want to see if I can increase the engagement on my social media accounts and in these live streaming activities. So can I get the comments, the shares, the this, the that? And then at the end, you can evaluate it and say, it worked. So I'm going to do more of it. Or "Mm, that was lukewarm. It probably needs some more work. So I'll come back to it. And then that way... Your marketing feels more manageable. It feels like you're building something in chunks instead of everything for the entire year and it has to be perfect and perfectly lined out. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? I don't know if I I did explain it. Complicated. Perfect sense to me. And I am an organizational geek as well. So I I really love your idea of the 12 month plan. But I also really love the mini campaign ideas as well. And um, I've always been of the mindset that if you, let me get this right, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So I think that's a great kind of thing to bear in mind when you're approaching your marketing for your business. I completely agree with you. So if somebody has not started their business, all they've got is a great idea, or they think it's a great idea, what's your best advice on the first steps for them to take? I think the first thing is to write down the idea. Always want to get these ideas on paper out of your head, only because we want to make sure we formulate what it is. What is the idea? So the first thing is the idea may be how you want to help people or where there's an opportunity or something. And then from there, I would work through three different things. The first thing would be, what is the actual offer linked to this idea? What is the service? What is the product that you really think a person would be purchasing? And the reason I like to have people think of it that way fairly quickly, and not to say that they have to know exactly what it is. I want you to start doing that brainstorming exercise. 
is because a lot of times there are great ideas out there, but the hard part is turning it into something that people can consume, something that people can use. I always like it when people can start to say, well, this is the idea. This is what I think they would buy. This is what it would look like packaged. This is how they would do it. And then the next question is, if that's what you think you want to sell, who's the customer? Who is the person who it's really for? Now, the reason, sometimes I jump back and forth. Sometimes I'll ask people their customer first and then the product. For people who are very new to business, when I ask them who their customer is, sometimes they'll tell me everyone. So that's why I make it third on the list because I want them to think about the product. I want them to think about narrowing it down to, well, who's really the person that's going to buy this, buy it off the shelf, what kind of photos, images, and so forth. Because we don't want to build or create a product, a business that doesn't serve a specific group of people. Because everyone is really not the answer. People have preferences. People buy from certain businesses for certain reasons. And if you go with that generalist approach, often it's very difficult to build a business that anyone and everyone would potentially purchase. Often you want to be able to target a certain demographic, a certain behavioral, a certain generation, a certain group of people that want a certain experience and so forth. And then the last thing I always have people do before they maybe take their product into the world and do that proof of concept that I talked about is I want people to think about what makes their product or service or idea unique. Because for some people, they're just maybe not aware of what else is out in the world. You may not know someone's doing something similar or you came up with the idea because someone else is doing something and you feel like there's a gap that they're not covering a certain segment, certain group of people and so forth. And by taking a step back and saying, what is that unique factor? What makes what you do very different from what other people do? What happens is you can truly carve out a space for yourself. When you build a business as a me too business, meaning so-and-so's a fitness coach, I'm a fitness coach. What happens is from the consumer's point of view, if you literally say, I'm, we're both just vegan fitness coaches, they don't have a way to decide who to pick. At that point, you've made it a eeny, meeny kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, let me put my hands over my eyes and just point at who to choose. And what I think is so important in a business is that a business knows and a customer knows why they choose that product or service and why they want this fitness coach versus the other fitness coach. Because a vegan fitness coach who's going to help you with lifting who's going to help you with strength training, that's going to help you with toning is different than someone who's going to help you with running. You want to get from couch to running. You always wanted to run a marathon. It's a different approach, even though they're both in the fitness world. And even though both of them are going to help with food and fitness, they're slightly different. And maybe someone who's going to help someone who just wants to lose weight who's someone who struggled with food, with their weight their entire lives, and someone is a fitness food coach and really lifestyle coach from that standpoint, that's a difference. That makes them a different type of coach. I'm only using very superficial, small things right now because we're going through it so quickly, but I continue to drill down. You should have three or four different uniqueness factors, and some of it has to do with how you deliver the service, meaning do you come on site? Do you do it through video? Do you do videos of you doing the workouts? Do you have people come see you once a year because you do retreats? 
to help them get back on their plans as a fitness coach. And I'm just using them as an example. This can apply for any type of business. Are you a person that designs them based on the five popular gyms out there to say, hey, if these are the workouts, this is the popular gyms out there and this is how you do it? Are you a person that gets up every day and works out and you have your community workout with you? All those things are those unique factors. And that I find is a very important thing to do when you're trying to take something from ideal to launching it out in the world. I think it's really important that you know what makes your product unique, what makes it stand alone, and what can help customers know that they are the right fit for you. Yeah, that's really brilliant advice for, for somebody that's just setting out. Um, it's quite interesting the kind of thought about sometimes finding a niche within a niche. How do you say that in the US? You don't say niche, do you say niche? Is it? No, I say niche. Oh, you say niche. Okay. I've heard some other US people saying, saying it different. So when people can work with you one-on-one to develop their marketing or just even starting from scratch, that's right, isn't it? Yes. People can work with us one-on-one, which is a great way to get started because you can get that individual attention and we can go through even some of the things that we talked about today. But we also have some other services out there. We have some free services because I know some people are maybe not ready for the financial investment. So we do things like webinars. We have them on demand, so you can watch them anytime. I also do live ones. We have some business guides out there that are free to download that will walk you through all different steps in the process from marketing to building your business to even mindset things of just having a bad day and how do you rebound from a bad day. Mm. (laughs) We all have them. And then we do things like we have online courses for people who want to do like self-study, who want to kind of get the information, but do it at their own pace. We also have an event coming up. Um, It's my first one I haven't done in a really long time. We used to do these, um, I don't know if you're familiar with them. I used to do vegan professional boot camps. Yeah, I I, I did come across them, but I haven't joined one. Okay, yeah. So I used to do them years ago and we like fly out to all these different cities. We did like eight cities and there was so much fun because we'd have different speakers and, you know, we talk about just the whole professional aspect of the life. And now I'm doing something a little different this time because I'm, I'm settled here in Orlando, Florida. And what we're starting to do is have people come here for workshops so they can like bring their marketing plan or build a marketing plan. They're small events, like 30 people or less. And the idea is that you get like this hands-on attention. We teach, but you also have group and you have work to do during the class. If I want you to, like, for example, we'll have people go live while they're there. Not physically everyone going live in the middle of the session. What we'll do is we'll do a break and we'll say, all right, I want you to get the experience of what it's like to go live, have a message, get it out there. So we're going to take a 10 minute break and everyone's going to go live for three minutes. And then we're going to have them go live and then come back and tell me about your experience, what you struggled with, what was hard, what, you know, and all that stuff. So then that way people can have more of a like hands-on experience in an event is my goal. But, you know, as you can tell, this is something that we're doing new. So we'll we'll see how it all works out. But it's, I don't know, it's one thing I'm really excited about. Sorry, I... (laughs) No, it does. It sounds fantastic. And I think sometimes even if you're an experienced marketing professional, if you're so close to an idea... It can be really useful to attend an event or to get coaching with someone like yourself just to get a different perspective on it and to, you know, get some fresh energy into it, some different experience. So that all sounds really, really exciting what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Cool. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. 
Stephanie, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and expertise with us and also for supporting entrepreneurs around the globe and for helping to bring veganism into the mainstream. Perfect. Thank you so much. It's been such an honor to be here today and talk with you, share with your audience. I really appreciate this opportunity and I look forward to um, hearing the interview. (laughs) Perfect. It's been a pleasure. And if you've been inspired by this podcast and would like to connect with Stephanie and find out more about her work, you can do so by clicking on the link to her bio in today's email. You'll find details about her website and links to her social media channels too. Thank you for listening and being part of the One Bite Vegan Summit. Be sure to keep up to date with the latest One Bite Vegan online events and free resources, including the One Bite Vegan blog and digital magazine by connecting with us via our website, onebitevegan.com. Remember, one bite is all it takes to make a change.